Hello and welcome to Clappercast, your weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar, and today I'm joined by the regulars, Alina Falds. How are you doing, Alina? I'm good. Hi. I'm tired. Um, not much news has changed with me. You know, still at my parents' house, still unemployed, still doing Ramadan. I'm very tired of it, but I think there's four or five days left. Depends on the moon. So I hope next week I will be perked up because I will be eating food again. So by the time this <laughs> post, you're almost, it's like a day left. So that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm also mm-hmm. joined by, of course, Paul Price. How are you doing, Paul? Good. I saw one of these movies twice by accident. So that was, that was fun. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, we're good. I, I, my we'll reaction to that very varies depending on what film it is. <laughs> uh, I, I saw it in theaters. So that helps. Twice. Uh, today we are talking about Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. We're going to be going over to our friend Netflix, as always, for Monster. Uh, but first, let's start out with a smaller film that we got the chance to see. Um, I know, Paul, you were pretty excited to talk about this one. Let's talk about Sound of Violence. When I hear certain sounds, I don't just hear them. I see them. In Sound of Violence, a young girl recovers her hearing and gains abilities during a brutal murder of her family. Finding solace in the sounds of bodily harm as an adult, she pursues a career in music, composing her masterpiece through gruesome murders. Paul, why don't you start off with this? I know you were the one who sent me this and said we should cover it on the podcast. What were your thoughts? Did this live up to your expectations? I regret that email. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't particularly bad at the first act but quickly uh it just moves into very dull dull horror um i remember being grossed out at seconds and then the rest i was just like this movie is so long and it is very short it's a 90 minute movie and i felt every one of those 90 minutes um I was watching it with a friend and she just kept <laughs> being like, is this, is this done yet? Are we, are we done? Is this the final mer? No, it's not the final mer. <laughs> so um, that's when, you know, when your horror loving friends are bored. I, I feel like I had a hard time watching this one too. It's just like, I don't know what it is about like our selections this week, but everything just felt like such a chore. And this movie, it was such a chore to get through. And I wasn't expecting that because the premise of it sounds like unique and interesting, but like the way it was executed just like didn't succeed at all. Um, Like it feels very long, like Paul said, and the like murders themselves just like, I don't know. They're just like not, I don't know the right word for this, but they just like weren't satisfying to me. Like they were gross, but like, that was it. There wasn't like anything like more to them. And I feel like if you're having like a slasher movie, I want to like 
be like really really disgusted or like being like wow that was like a cool disgusting death but like for most of them I was just like okay I feel like most of them are stuff like I've seen before I was like I've seen dudes like heads explode like tons of times and like I don't know it just like disappointed me and I also just like didn't understand the like main character's motivations or like I don't understand like the science behind it and like how this these like gruesome like bodily harm things are like making her see sound I was like I don't know if I'm like too dumb to understand this but like it's just as dumb I think the movie is dumb I don't think I'm dumb the movie's dumb well I mean synesthesia <laughs> is a thing um and you know that's where a sound or a taste or something causes colors it's it's all different um it's where basically your um different senses are like combining for some odd reason um so that was like what that was supposed to be and I did like the concept of using synesthesia as like this like horror thing but then they add in so much extra there's um, you know, she's got childhood trauma and she's going deaf and she's a closeted lesbian. It was just like, let's throw everything at this girl. And then, um, I never got, if the movie was saying that she was in the wrong, which was a very weird thing for like, you know, uh, I recently watched the first Saw and I'm planning to watch the next two because people keep convincing me that I need to watch it for Spiral. Um, and then I can stop and be free. But um, it, with that, I, you know, I've read the entire series, so I know what's going to happen in the Wikipedia pages. But um, with that, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, uh, oh, this villain has like a reason for it. But <laughs> with this one, it felt like you were supposed to be like, yeah, go murder these homeless people <laughs> and like random women it was just like I was sitting there and I was like um am I supposed to be cheering on is this man was like dying and screaming in pain and you're like yeah go queen <laughs> a real booyah moment in cinema I would say yeah <laughs> um and you know there's also like the whole um you know I don't know if you're going to talk about this Carson but the whole barrier gaze trope and it took it to a new extreme that I was like <laughs> almost cackling about um <laughs> I sent it to a couple of my friends and I was like you're not gonna guess what happens in this movie <laughs> um because it's just it's so funny um and I don't think it's supposed to be funny I think it's supposed to be really like uh, heartfelt. Um, it just plays wrong. That being said, I do think that like, you know, everything we're talking about, it will hit an audience, right? Like, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be the type of movie that's like, you know, uh, some people will hate it. And some people will be like, that was so much fun. And you can even tell that from the letterboxd reviews that some of the people, uh, really were into it and really just thought it was like a super fun gore fest, which it was. Um, but maybe not what we were expecting. Yeah, I definitely didn't like, I don't, I don't hate this film, but it definitely didn't fully do it for me up until the family murder. I was like in it right. As soon as she kills her dad, like, great. I'm fully invested. Like, let's go. It's not, you know, it's not a cinematic masterpiece, let's say, but like good enough. And then it just very quickly starts to kind of fall and become boring and doesn't really do much. I think ultimately this movie just isn't enough. Like morally, I agree. The Saw comparison is really interesting because like 
the morally you're at least able to kind of invest with those characters, even though even as a huge soft fan, I will say like they're very shitty. Like it's not a good franchise, but like you can at least have some more complexity there. You didn't really get enough of that with her, but also like the actual horror and the body horror. I mean, whether or not you like these films or not, every big body horror movie, you know, Tusk, you could even say, uh, Saw, their big final moment or their big final creation, whatever you want to say, is genuinely quite shocking. Here, it was just very like, oh, you put speakers on her. Okay. Like, it just wasn't inventive. It wasn't shocking. This movie just didn't take that next step to be something super memorable. I don't hate this film, but I think it's really forgettable and it shouldn't be based on the concept and it shouldn't be based on what it's trying to be. Um, I also just think the lead actress, no offense, is not that good. I think she is rather terrible, I would say. Um, not and I good. think she's the star of the new Scream movie. Yeah, oh, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, you know, going to your point, um, that first kill, not the one uh, in the prologue, but her first um, her first murder, I was like, if this is the baseline and we're going up crazier from this, I will love this movie. Um, I was grossed out. I didn't like it, but I was like, oh, these are going to be really weird, like music. And none of them reached the heights of the first, like, setup. Um, you know, they even mm-hmm. have this whole uh, cop plot line that... Um, I was like, okay, we're doing like some sort of seven situation, but it never, that never leads anywhere. It, um, it almost feels like a time filler. Uh, so we just spend a lot of time with this girl who's a killer and we don't really learn anything about it. And I think we also need to talk about the fact that her music sucks shit. <laughs> like, they like play it. And I was really like, when she was like, I'm going to play you something. I was expecting like, the coolest EDM music and just like, okay, we're going to do this. And then it cut to it. It was just like, I mean, it's basically just murder sounds. (laughs) And everyone in the classroom is like, this is terrible. And I was like, yes, it is. Was I supposed to like, and I don't understand was, it feels like such a misstep to not have it be like really great music. You know, uh, you look at like the, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies like the Splatterfest kind of stuff like Wizard of Gore and things like that and like they build up to something and you're like okay I get it it's this madman trying to you know use dead bodies to do something with his life but this was like she's not using this this isn't gonna be some great thing even like her you know uh magnum opus at the end of the film you're sitting there and you're like I mean you grossed out everyone in the <laughs> on the beach but i don't think like people are going to be mem- you know remembering uh it's not going to be like in wikipedia pages it'll just be like this weird thing that you'll have heard about on the news once so it's just it, it never felt like it was as weighty as the movie kept trying to make us believe it was it'd be so much better of an ending of like her music was great. And then like, it does get out into the world and it becomes really popular after her death. And then you could even have like a commentary on like people glorifying her kind of like what they try to do. in Oh God, was it spree spree? Was that the one with like the Uber driver who kills people? I don't remember, but like, yes. I and, think there's so many one, more ways you can go than what they did. Well, and that one's really interesting because I did not like that one, but I kept thinking about that one in this movie 
And I was like, that one was at least a little more fun than this. Um, and I also like never felt as bad for like everyone who dies does not deserve it. <laughs> like I have never seen a movie that like the entire time I was like these people are like just normal people <laughs> like there's no like I never once was like oh yeah except for I guess in the prologue but um you know I never felt like oh yeah get him it was like this guy wants a little extra money what an asshole <laughs> like also he can't see there were so many, even yeah, that. Yeah, he was a terrible singer. <laughs> There's so many choices <laughs> in the movie where they're like, um, oh, this person's going to be doing something good. And then they're terrible at it. And I can't tell if that was like a choice or if it was like they kept like, they hired someone to do like splatter music and it came out like that. And they were like, well, we paid him $500. I guess we're stuck with this. Because um, yeah, and he couldn't sing and he like goes in to sing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate the lead actress when she was doing her more dramatic, not dramatic, but like more, uh, true to life scenes. But yeah, when she tried to play crazy, she was really campy in a way that didn't fit her character. Um, especially there's one spot where she like, um, it's at this like party and a uh, cellist, uh, not cellist, uh, harpist is playing. And she like pops out from the side and drops a little thing in her drink. And I started cracking up because it was like, that was not supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be like, oh my God, but she like just appeared. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, there's just a tonal uh, inconsistency that really was weird. But at the same time, I am enjoying talking about it yeah. uh, more than I enjoyed the movie, which if we're talking about this is supposed to be playing in, you know, theaters and you go see it with friends, I think like you would walk out and be like, what the hell was that? I think the kills aren't as good, especially there's a spot in the middle where all the kills are just murder. It's just like straight, you know, murder. There's no like interesting thing that happens and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, this is a fantasy. You don't have to have it that realistic that she's just hitting people with hammers right now. <laughs> Also, cinematic parallels. I don't know if either of you saw the movie, but at the end when she's dancing on the beach to the ending of another round, very, very similar, which I thought was weird. Um, I will quickly say I absolutely like laughed. One thing that made me laugh was the ASL in this film. I'm taking ASL right now. We just talked about ASL in a quiet place um, when we did Classic Clappercast, which you can listen to on our Patreon. comes out later this month. Um, check that out. Anyway, the ASL in this movie is so bad. You literally like... It's so funny to me how bad it was for a movie and about like sign language and you would think has good accessibility. Alina, you pointed out in our DMs like, oh, hey, there was no um, subtitles on the screener. That's weird. But like also to see the ASL just be so botched and so butchered, it was like, well, that's not great. That's that's not great either, even though I know it's trying to be more of a horror movie than like Sound of Metal, but still. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like even if you're like a horror movie and like deaf representation isn't necessarily what you're going for in this, you should at least like try and make it accurate. I don't think it's that difficult to have accurate ASL. It's really not. Well, it's because they were afraid of subtitles. The major thing was them speaking as they do it, which is like a huge no-no in ASL. You use facial expressions. It's like the major, a major part of it. But then no, they're just going to speak in English. And also this deaf girl is just speaking, like talking to people. It was very weird. It was very weird. 
I don't think she was deaf. I think they were saying that like she kept getting it back from her murders or something. No, she, I'm she about was not specifically before the uh, murder. Oh, right. Her gotcha. and her yeah, like, mother and yeah, with her father and stuff. Well, and this is also like, you know, uh, the flip side of representation. Uh, my friend was like, so it's this like deaf lesbian black DJ serial killer. <laughs> and I was like, uh, we were just sitting there and I'm like, I think representation went wrong here. Cause it's like, it checks a bunch of boxes, but then also serial killer and you know, terrible we, DJ. <laughs> we finally found something that one up St. Maud's thesis that all gay people are actual demons. <laughs> we finally found what one ups on that representation. Subwoofer your gaze. <laughs> well, speaking of acts of representation, hopefully this one's a little bit better, but considering it's Netflix, you know, you never know. Let's jump over to Monster. What do you see when you look at me? I'm ready for your test, right? I just thought it. can tell a story you have the opportunity here to move people artist we came forward running backwards oh. hey yo pull up outsider get my good side hold up you got me hey guys you know somehow when you were born i thought of all the scenes of your life although jaded being mad at you for things any kid does but i never saw anything like this monster is the story of steve Harmon, a 17 year old honor student whose world comes crashing down around him when he is charged with felony murder this is a film that's been on the waiting list trying to get a release since sundance 2018 um rada blank did the script so it has some big names attached to it um finally found a release on netflix Alina, why don't you start us off with Monster? Did this one captivate you in any way? No. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, like, want to watch this. I, like, don't really like courtroom dramas. I think Mangrove is, like, the only thing um, that I've seen, at least, that has done, like, the courtroom drama well. Um, the narration, the like, Telvin Harrison Jr. plays the main character, and, like, the narration in this was just so like cringy but also very boring um he's like trying to be a filmmaker and like there are points in like the narration where he uses like things that would be in like a script but then like I, that gets like completely abandoned um I don't know I just had such a hard time like paying attention to this that like by the time the like courtroom scenes kept like dragging on and on and on I just like stopped paying attention because I just like mentally just could not because I don't think there's like anything interesting about this it thinks it has an interesting thing to say but it just doesn't because there are other things that have talked about like the black experience in the criminal justice system way better than this I don't know I I feel like the it's based like a novel and I was reading up the novel it's like a lot more like internal and introspective and I feel like those don't necessarily like translate to film very well 
I don't know. It just like totally missed the mark for me. And I don't understand why Netflix picked this up. And I feel like they only did because of how well the 40 year old version did, which I liked. So I'm just, I, because of that, I'm disappointed with this movie as well. I don't know. Just like overall, it just was not interesting. Well, when you have a quote of one movie a week, you kind of have to pick up movies somewhere, I guess. Um, I, I actually was, I think I'm going to be the biggest fan of this overall. I didn't love this film. As you mentioned, the courtroom drama, even like specifically about the Black experience and kind of looking at the experience of that frame has been done to death. There is countless movies. Not that they can't still be effective. Mangrove absolutely, I think, is probably the best one that's ever been created. And that's the newest one to come out. But like even solid films, you could say like Child Chicago 7 even, like that is hurt by the fact that this genre has been done to death. So the fact that this movie takes that concept and it tries to be this more meditative experience, trying to be a little bit more artsy, on paper, I really am okay with that considering you have to evolve this genre somehow if this is just basic dry courtroom drama it's not going to be that interesting i think there's plenty here that helps like kelvin harrison jr i think is fantastic um but that meditative soul that this film has just never really clicked with me i think it's interesting seeing this after the 40 year old version even though this was created beforehand because rada blanks like meditative experience like what does it mean to be an artist and all those little things about creating art and creating film like definitely resonates you can tell with her considering she also had it in the 40 year old version um but it just doesn't fully come together i will say i love the cinematography this might have my favorite well one of my favorite cinematography like things of the year so far i don't know what you would some of my favorite cinematography of the year um so far but it's just this didn't have the impact i wanted it to have but i still think it's overall a success i still had found myself you know for only what is it 90 minutes 98 minutes I found myself engaged by it, but you know, nothing special, nothing, definitely no mangrove. Yeah. Um, I think I read this book in high school. Um, when I saw the cover, I was like, Oh, I remember this. I don't know if I read it or it was like a requirement for one of my friends, but I like knew the story as soon as it started. And I went and researched a little bit. Um, but I remember and it's one of the things that I think is a real thing that hurts in the movie. They changed the ending um, from the book. And the uh, ending originally has him on the outs with his lawyer at the end. And in this one, she like is still fine with him. And I think it completely destroys the thesis of the book, which is, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, basically what is like a monster what is you know like profiling what is all this stuff and um with choosing that the lawyer ultimately does believe him and uh is excited for him instead of was just doing it for a job it really does change the ending and what the whole film kind of means so you know the last 15 20 minutes i was just like not really sure where what this meant like I don't I could not say from watching this movie what their perspective on the characters were um even though it's set pretty much first person the entire time with so much narration um it really just kind of felt flat to me but it also you know like beats you over the head with things it's trying to say without ever like 
making a firm stance, um, which is one of my like really big pet peeves with these kind of movies when it's just like, we're going to try to, you know, get everyone to agree with this movie by, you know, mentioning things without having them really uh, mean anything or, you know, taking a stance at all, um, which I feel like this movie really needs to do to make an impact. But I did like all the acting. Um, that is one thing I'll say, um, especially, uh, I don't know how to say her last name, Jennifer L. Uh, Rosemary Harris's daughter uh, as the lawyer was um, actually really good in her scenes with uh, Kelvin Harrison. Harrison? I'm really bad with the names on this one, were like really great. And I thought those were really electric, um, which is also why uh, them changing her character's ending really bummed me out. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a movie that like Netflix is pushing right now because of 20, uh, 40 year old version. And I just think it'll kind of be a thing we'll talk about for like a week and then we'll disappear. Um, Regardless, it is sad that it's been sitting on a shelf for three years. <laughs> uh, it's got a wildly big cast, so. Um, mm-hmm. Which is surprising considering like seeing the film, even if I don't think it's a masterpiece, like definitely feels like it would have found release at some time. I know Netflix only picked it up in like November of last year and it's been through multiple hands, multiple title changes. At one time it was called All Rise and I like Monster a lot better as a title, but like, it is kind of shocking when you look at the cast and look at what it is. Like this doesn't feel like a new mutants where it's just never going to come out and it keeps just getting fucked over. Yeah. I think, um, I do think that it isn't like high quality, but it should have been on Netflix in like 2019. (laughs) You know who actually surprised me in this? ASAP Rocky. I thought he was very good. And I'm surprised because like, I don't really listen to his music. I just like know him, his like existence. Um, purely because of like pop culture but he like actually surprised me in this I felt like his character had like um, I find like most of the other characters were just like pretty like one-dimensional and um, but I feel like he actually had some like nuance to him um, so that was good maybe we'll see him appearing more things because he was solid and I'm assuming that it was his like first role since he's not an actor uh, he's done dope uh, pop star never stop never stopping and Zoolander number two but I this is I think his first major like, those are just like cameos there or are they actually I've, characters I mm. haven't seen I don't know uh, <laughs> but yeah no I agree he impressed yeah. me I also really like Jeffrey Wright but that's just because I really like Jeffrey Wright so I'll, I'll like I'll stand him <laughs> I stand him in the goldfinch I'll stand him in anything and Kelvin Harrison Jr. I think he can do nearly no wrong. Feels like one of those movies that in high school, your teacher will pick on like movie day. And you'll be like, oh, okay, cool. I watched this okay movie. There's so many of those. Um, and sometimes I'll like be in the middle of something. I'll be like, this is 100% where this is ending up. No one will watch it except for on movie day. Uh, they'll pull out that little oh my gosh, I don't even know if you guys have that anymore. Uh, like the little TV that they'll roll out and um, they may just do it on speaker. Mm-hmm. Ugh, the world's getting older. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like, it felt like that. And I think like, you know, a high schooler would be like, it was fine. I'm glad I got to watch a movie. But, um, and it like has something to say. 
but it's just it's like nothing I to, that I feel like I need like, a clip when the teacher says to the class in the high school class because all teachers say this in high school where he yells at them like you're fucking cynics I just need to clip that so every time we talk about any film I can just put it in there <laughs> I, oh gosh okay actually I do have some extra things to talk about everything with the filmmaking was embarrassing like I was just uh, uh, and I know it was an alibi but when he said um I looked into the into the light because I'm a filmmaker I was like uh (laughs) everything in that movie when they talk about film I was like okay it definitely feels like and you know I read about it it's like semi-autobiographical in that he like likes writing scripts and stuff and that's what it kind of felt like is like you know very first scripty kind of stuff um which is interesting that he didn't write his own screenplay um I think he may have worked with her but it was mainly um so odd choice but yeah um filmmaking was bad I actually didn't hate the courtroom scenes but I hated everything else so um I guess that's where we're at kind of like boring if you don't have the passion in filmmaking you just haven't found your story yet Paul you know everyone everyone's a filmmaker I guess it was not good also like definitely it was a weird choice I thought to make like such a weird high school like clearly privileged like it was just very weird it was a very weird like choice that entire side plot of the film though the movie was short so I guess it needed something to fill its runtime. Well, that's like from the book, it's supposed to be, and this is where the movie kind of uh, going back to that one sec section, which I think is the biggest fault of the movie, was supposed to be, he's this, you know, uh, I guess spoilers, um, he's supposed to be the best kid, and he's still profiled, and then it turns out he actually did it, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what this movie's saying. And then he gets he gets away, he's innocent, but he his lawyer has realized that he is guilty in the book. So he finishes, he's presumed innocent, but he still feels like a monster. Or, you know, uh, was she just seeing the real him? Um, like, is he actually a monster or not? And now he's self-introspective uh, on it. But her, like, being totally on board kind of just makes him like, oh, I, you know, put the wool over all your eyes and I got away with this. And also I'm a good person, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, what am I, what am I talking about? Like, what am I watching? Like, what does this story say about either the Black experience or like the justice system or anything? It's just like, here's a, you know, I've seen dozens of movies about like the bad guy getting away and is he a bad guy the movie kind of says no but then why have it be at all iffy like why add that uh that wrinkle if you're not going to really explore it it's just like oh well i mean he did do it but like it doesn't matter <laughs> he's did good he's in it did either of you see loose no also stars Calvin Harrison Jr., a much, much better film, but I think it would be a very interesting double feature because there he's assumed done a crime, but it's a very, it's it's much better. It's it's very different, but I think it'd be a very interesting double feature with this. It's not a courtroom drama at all, though. I don't think I need a 
anything feature with this movie again. Well, a single feature with that one would be good, I guess. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. Well, Netflix, you've been with us for almost a year. We're almost to a year this podcast. But let's jump over away from Netflix. Let's turn off the TV and let's go to in theaters for Wrath of Man, the new Guy Ritchie film. Let's talk in about theaters? it. In theaters? <laughs> in theaters, Carson. <laughs> You're so mean to me. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new addition. H. Portico Security specialized in cash trucks across LA. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators. We're the prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. What happens if we're putting pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? It's a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious! Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time. Sorry, pal. I Who is this lunatic? H is a cold and mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. That's the plot of Wrath, plot of, Wrath of Man. I'm going to start us off because apparently this is the hundredth film I've talked about on Clappercast. I keep a little list on Letterboxd of every film I talked about on this show. Apparently this is number 100. Um, I love The Gentleman, so I was really excited for this film. And it did nothing for me. This is a beyond average crime thriller that literally I just think like was cinematic white noise. It's not incompetently made. It's not like offensively bad. It just is so boring. I think so much of that also comes from Jason Statham, which I think is generally bad unless he has a lot of charisma in his screenplay or character to work with. It was just so boring. This I really just like... Coming off how fun the gentleman was, gentleman that was, whatever it's called. I really just wanted a fun movie, and this wasn't fun. Paul? So this is the one I saw twice. And um, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I saw it with a friend who really liked it. And the second time I saw it, I saw it with a friend who did not like it. Um, and I don't let people's opinions color mine but i did feel like i had a lot more fun the first time i watched it um i like remember like being like you had prefaced and you were like i don't think this movie's good and i was like okay i'll i'll be ready for it so i went in like kind of expecting to just hate it and it was fine um but the second viewing once you like so the movie is almost basically tenant style and it's like jumping around in the timelines. Um, you really have to keep up. But once you know the timeline, there's like four chapters and that's the important part. <laughs> once you know those four chapters, um, it is a very weird plot hole filled uh, story. Um, this is based on a French movie from 2004 called Cash Truck. Um, 
And that was the original title. And originally, I think, was with Sandra Bullock, and it's just a different movie. So they, like, redid this at some point and made it into what it is now. Um, the ending of that is different from this. And what's interesting, again, with these endings, um, I'm a big stickler for the endings, by the way. Uh, if your ending is, like, off to me, I just really hate the film. Because why did I just go on this journey if the ending sucks? Um, and this one specifically, there is a point where you're like, oh, okay, this character is dead. And then they just appear later completely fine in another scene. They're like hobbling. And um, you could definitely tell it was a reshoot <laughs> um, that they didn't like. And it's also the original uh, ending of the French movie is that this character dies and it is what happens. Um, I do feel like Statham got involved is how ultimately it seems like the storyline played out um, because the film is trying to say that like, you know, uh, for most of the film is bad people do bad things and revenge doesn't get anywhere. And then at the end, it's like, actually revenge is fucking great. Like, holy shit. Like, I'm so glad I did some revenging. Which is so weird because it's like this coda to a film that's dark. And that's what you were saying, Carson. It's like, it's so dark. Um, and it was really interesting in the second viewing. Um, there were these like <laughs> guys next to me. And they're screaming at the screen. It was so weird to be back in theaters. Be like, oh yeah, this is what being in theaters with other humans is like. And at one point the guy screams, Statham! your son's killer's getting away. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, Statham's lying like dead on the floor and he's just like, go for it, get up. Um, but there's also a mean spirit to this movie and especially with everyone who works at the, um, the cash truck company. Um, how all of them are treated is abysmal. Um, not in terms of like, you know, uh, they don't have much to do. They have a lot to do and then are treated horribly. Um, you know, there's a point where one, the only major female character is sitting there just like crying, being threatened with a gun. And then her whole family's threatened. And later, you know, spoilers, she gets shot just like casually almost off screen. And I was like, she has like a whole ass life that you've now set up. You can't just treat her like, you know, cannon fodder. And they do that with every single character in the, the cash truck uh, industry. And it really bugs me. Um, it, it's like Statham is like some superhero and he got all these people murdered. He also is terrible at being an investigator. Um, <laughs> like it's a huge part of the movie is that he's doing this investigation and he falls ass backwards into everything he finds. It never ends up meaning anything. Um, and the whole film was ultimately like, it's another one of those, like, it's ultimately meaningless. Like, why did I watch this? Uh, <laughs> these characters, like, all backstabbed each other. Statham, our hero, really only does one thing in the entire film. Otherwise, he's just, like, the secondary character to fucking scott eastwood who is one of the like weirdest 
uh, not prodigy, uh, progeny, like where it's just, oh, he's the star's son. So I guess we're giving him, it's very Jack Quaid where it's like, this is not a good actor, but you know, his dad got him the roles. Um, Every time he showed up, it was like comedically bad performance. And he is like the main villain of the movie. Uh, Actually, I'm really curious how you felt with uh, the stuff with Bullet. Uh, Carson because that was like one of those things that was like oh uh, you know what I originally thought was this is going to end up being he's going to kill uh, Scott Eastwood's character and now it's about like revenge uh, can change or something like that and like what if someone takes away your revenge and Bullet is your villain and then he's dispatched like at a side note it's so weird but I'm curious what you think I love how you came with like all these like what's the thesis of Wrath of Man and I was just sitting there like holy shit it's still going uh yeah I mean there's a million I guess opportunities for something important here but like literally I don't think this film is anything really that valuable to say that like any other action film doesn't have it it's not I don't know it's just so weird to me that this is a Guy Ritchie film because like there isn't really any pieces of depth that I think work that well or any like thesis it comes to that elevates the experience. Yes, of course, there's like character stuff here and there. Um, I don't know. This one just, I mean, it was like, I, I saw it, but it just felt so empty to me. It really like, I, I don't know. I feel like we're on two different wavelengths maybe with this film because like I couldn't even say like, oh, like it's just, it's empty. This is such a basic action film. <laughs> like really, <laughs> See, that's, uh, that would be a big difference because I don't think it's empty. I think it's trying, and the same I felt with Monster and Sound of Violence. This has been a real week of, uh, here's these, you know, these uh, ideas that we're trying to say and, you know, talk about the world and like the experiences that you can have and then just not really doing anything with it. Um, I really did want this to be like better. And I think like, it just needed another draft and I think it could have been good. There's just some things you need to clean up. Um, it's mainly, it really does go down to how they treat all the secondary characters, which a hundred percent feels like a Statham. Um, no one matters except no. Jason Statham who does nothing. <laughs> and that's, it's really frustrating. It's also, um, you know, they do all this planning, uh, meticulous, uh, the, the bad guys do all this meticulous planning, but they know that Jason Statham's character is like a super cop, basically. He's like mm. getting publicity and they talk about like he could get his own merchandise for the store. Um, and <laughs> then they don't just like dispatch it. It was very Bond-esque, like, you know, uh, you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die and then just leave him. It was like, you're leaving this guy who is like shot post Malone and like all these other huge sequences. Um, and uh, where you're showing he's like something big. There's even a spot where Bullet's talking and he says he's a dark fucking spirit. Like you have introduced that they think he's going to be a problem. And then they just don't even do anything with him. And it's the whole reason they fall apart. Kind of, actually. Yeah. 
<laughs> on hindsight, no, it was just Scott Eastwood again, uh, being a little dick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, just overall, it's like one of those things that's like, I don't know what the what the point is and it's like it's fun action um but they have all of the so how the movie works is introduce uh statham's character then they cut to the actual criminals you meet them you meet their families it's like a point and then they put all of those criminals in like huge masks that have no way to tell who everyone is you have they start using numbers instead of names without telling you what the numbers who's what number so i you just lose track of literally everyone and it's like why did i spend so much time getting to know these characters in those sequences i did enjoy and then it ultimately is like you know you're looking and you're like okay well there's a couple guys left i know who they are so i guess one of those sequences was one of the other guys I liked who died. I didn't feel any reaction to it. It's a real upsetting thing because like I do remember old Richie and this does feel like him trying to go back to that a little bit, but it just feels so rushed. And I would be curious to know, um, I'm assuming this was shot pre-COVID. So like, was this just a rush job after Gentleman? Because Gentleman is like, you know, uh for its few faults um it's like a fun well-written movie uh actually <laughs> we haven't even talked about the dialogue in the first segment is some of without a doubt the worst dialogue i've ever heard in a, oh and in a movie. performances oh i because yeah. you i remember last week you sent clips of things heard and seen and i was like oh get ready paul <laughs> oh get ready <laughs> um yeah, there's a sequence in a locker room and every single line is like, and it does feel like what is actually in a locker room, but I don't, I can just go to a locker room. <laughs> like I don't need to, it's just like bad jokes and everybody's gay. There's so many gay jokes in this movie and it never leads to anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like horrible dialogue, a uh, bunch of like transphobic lines. It's just weird that Richie continues to go to this pool when he sees the reactions are people are like, okay, even if you liked this movie, you're still going to be like, okay, well, those lines were stupid. I don't know why he's doing the same stuff from the 90s. This just um, feels like a badly made like 2001 film. Like I just watched yeah. Fast and Furious, the first one in theaters. And like, it feels just very similar, except like that movie at least had some characters I liked and could engage with and like care about, even though like, not like the deepest movie ever, you know, like the joke is like, oh, family, but it has something to say. This is just badly made, boring, feels empty. I agree with you about Monster and um, Sound of Violence as far as like trying to say something, but this one just doesn't. <laughs> Well, and I really, um, I'm a little disappointed. I was trying to find the original French version and I was going to watch it and it is nowhere. I could buy it for $30, but I decided to do it two days ago and it wasn't going to come in time anyway. Um, because I really am curious. I've heard it's boring as hell. Um, that's what Letterboxd tells me. Um, and that the last 15 minutes are the only, but apparently it's more about the cash truck group's camaraderie and then they all work together to fight these villains and it's like most of the same plots but it does feel like they lost 
a lot of that. Um, and it feels like then they try to bring it back at certain points. Um, I don't know. It's just, I probably liked it more than you, but I also didn't, I'm just disappointed in it. I think if I'm it, not mad, just disappointed. If you had a better cast of characters, that was more fun. Or even if you just wanted to have the one main guy and you just found someone more charismatic and interesting than Jason Statham, I think it would work so much better. I think so much of it lies on like what this movie, because of how it sets itself up, it relies so much on him that it doesn't work. It's like if he was like, it just you need someone more charismatic. Look at Daniel Craig as Bond. He's able to carry scenes and films kind of like this where he's kind of the main guy because he's so entertaining and he is so charismatic and you care and you can engage with him you can't engage with jason statham unless he's like playing a very certain character well and i think that that goes back to the you know um josh hartnett and all these other characters that they introduce i loved them i loved when they were on screen and so um you know, I don't think that the characters were well-written, but I enjoyed their performances. You could tell Hartnett, like, was having fun playing, like, he's basically, a, you know, the weak link of the group. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it it leaves a real bitter taste in my mouth in that, uh, that fourth act. Um, and that's disappointing <laughs> overall because... Um, I do think, and I do see why you don't like it. There's tons to dislike, but I do think if it had stuck the landing and been truer to the movie before, I think I might've liked some of it. I think I would have given it like a three and a half star and currently it's a two and a half star. So like- Is that your and, highest rating of this episode? Um, I think it's equal to monster. Sound of violence, I'm- uh, still iffy on i mean the more we talked about it the more i was like i mean i may put a little heart by it because i do think it might it might be a so bad it's good uh i think i might recommend people because that's what's you know uh it is fun to talk about those movies it's like it's not good but you'll like you know be grossed out and uh you'll laugh a bunch and i think if we had treated it as not a serious movie I think we'd be in a completely different conversation about that, which all of these movies are too serious. To be fair, overall, that, that's like, why they like the people behind the film, but also like every reaction I've seen online has been like, oh, it's seriously good, which I don't get. Yeah, but. no, I and like, but you know, going back to what Alina said, uh, it's kind of a wrap up to all of these. This was a homework week, and it was really weird. Every single one of these movies. Um, even Wrath of Man, which I saw twice for fun, um, and also just happened to be on the podcast, it just felt like, okay, this is a slog. This is, you know, um, there was none that, like, felt inspired in their filmmaking, which is kind of a bummer because these were all, you know, either a great, you know, a very experienced, I guess, not a great director, and then a bunch of newbies um so yeah just disappointing i agree well to close out this week instead of looking at another new film or something like that let's take a look forward we are just about to the summer months it's getting warmer for a lot of us you know it's getting nice out and let's take a look at the summer movies uh we all picked 
three films we're looking forward to, one film we're not looking forward to over the summer. Um, and let's just give out our like lists of what we're excited for, what we're not for. And let's start with what we're not looking forward to. And Paul, do you want to start us off? King of negativity? No offense. Just peace and love. Um, well, actually, this is a fun one because my not looking forward to is also on my looking forward to list. And that is uh, Cruella. Uh, I am not looking forward to it because I think it's going to be bad. I am looking forward to it because I want it to be good. It's got like, it's one of those things that is sitting on the precipice of, oh, what if Disney actually just let them do what they want? And if they did, I think it could be really fun. Uh, <laughs> I was I was talking to a friend yesterday and I said, I'm a little worried because it's releasing in May. If they had pushed it to like November and they thought like, oh, we can get like a costuming nod and stuff like this, it might actually like be good. Um, this May date is a little worrying to me because they're not going to make a ton of money uh, from, you know, still with the COVID. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I just really want it to be good. It's got a great director, I, Tanya. Um, It's one of the writers of The Favorite. Like there are so many things. It's Emma Stone, like clearly having a great time. Everyone looks like everything I've seen from the movie looks like everyone's having a blast doing it, which I never saw in any of the other trailers. They always felt like they were, you know, oh yeah, this is my paycheck role. Um, and this is the first one since Maleficent that they've allowed, you know, people to try new things outside of the, you know, oh, you're following the same plot. So yeah, that's my uh, least looking forward to, even though I do want it to be good. <laughs> I just think it's going to be bad. And I'm going to be so disappointed probably for the rest of the year. Cause that's almost what I'm looking forward to everything else on this list. I'm like, yeah, sure. Alina. Um, I'm least looking forward to F9. And I think it's because we have to watch nine other movies before it. And I think that's exhausting. Um, and I, I still have not seen any of them. So maybe my mind will change. But I just don't understand how this franchise has been going on this long. It's insane to me that they're on F9 and a spinoff. God. We I've, I've seen the first, <laughs> we really do live in a society when you think about it. Um, I've <laughs> seen the first two and I enjoyed them for what they are. But like, I look at the trailer for F9, I agree with you. I was like, my initial reaction was a strong, like, I don't want to sit through this, but. I guess we have to. My least favorite one, I'm, or the one I'm least looking forward to, yeah. is Escape Room 2 I've landed on. I hated the first Escape Room. I was like, oh, it's a stupid concept, but at least they were going to do a twist. They didn't do the fucking twist. Hated that film. And I'm not excited to watch number two. So that's that. Let's move over. Let's try to be a little bit more positive. The top three films we are looking forward to. Um, Alina, why don't you start us out? What, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited to talk about? I just picked these before. I'm excited for Zola to come out, that like A24 movie about that Twitter thread. I've heard it's good. I've heard it's bad. I want to see it for myself because I remember when that Twitter thread was coming out. So I hope it doesn't let me down. I feel like most A24 movies I like, like to some extent because I'm basic. So I hope it'll live up to that. Um, the next thing I'm looking forward to 
of the Suicide Squad. I'm excited for that. I thought the trailer was fucking hilarious. That goddamn shark kills me. Um, I am also looking forward to John Cena and things. So I guess I'm mildly looking forward to F9. I like to see um, my king booked and busy and employed. I think he's wonderful. He's the next rock. I love him. Um, and I think the third thing I'm excited for is um, Shang-Chi and the whatever, Ten Rings. I, I, I am basic and I like Marvel and I admit that I like Marvel and I don't care that I like Marvel even though we trash it a lot on this show. Um, I'm excited for an Asian superhero and I also really like Simu Liu, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, he's on a he was on a show here in Canada called Kim's Convenience, and I think it's on Netflix. It reminds me a lot of Schitt's Creek. So if you haven't watched, um, so if you, I feel like most people have finished Schitt's Creek. So if you haven't watched Kim's Convenience, you should check that out next. It's very good, solid Canadian humor, and it's cute. So those are my three. I'm excited. Awesome, Paul. What are you excited for the summer? Okay, so I'm going to, um, since I used Cruella as my knot, um, I'm going to do three others. I'm very excited about old. I think old could be great. And even if it's not great, I think I'll still enjoy it. Um, like, uh, the same with like us, it does feel a, sim a similar, like, you know, uh, a creator who's done like a very consistent type of movie, trying something different. Um, I'm also excited about Candyman. Look at me choosing all these horror movies, even though I don't like horror. Um, I think Candyman, the pushback and not releasing it to Netflix or something, um, I think really shows that it is good, or at least they have confidence in it. Kind of am excited about uh, Black Widow, but let's go with something a little weirder. Um, I kind of am excited about the new, uh, where is it? The Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. And here's why. I love Samara Weaving. Please give her another good role. She has the worst agent in all of Hollywood. It's like <laughs> this woman cannot get a good movie. Every time I look at, at what she's in, I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and so this is like one of those that's like, if it's good, I mean, it's got, um, was it Henry Golding? um from crazy rich asians starring and then she's uh playing scarlet and if this one's good i think that it could be a boost to her career so i'll say it's my most excited only because i want her to do well perfect and then my three let's be <clears throat> i'm gonna be clear i took summer as june through august so spiral is not on this list spiral 100 like i can't remember the last film i was this excited for i'm not expecting it to be good but I'm just like so fucking excited for new Saw. Like you don't even understand. <clears throat> and I'm so excited. We're going to talk about that next week. It's going to be a blast. Um, My three, The Green Knight. Uh, David Lowry, I like quite a bit. Dev Patel is hot. I don't know. I'm really excited for this one. Um, Old, M. Night Shyamalan fan. I love M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know if it's going to be good. With Knight, you never know. But like I have Faith. And then I have Luca, Pixar's Luca. Um. It looks great. What? It looks, it looks great. So. Oh my gosh! You picked the Pixar "Call Me by Your Name" movie. What a shock! Right? I know. I'm going off the I off have the a rails. Thing to add. Go ahead, Lena. 
I have one thing to add because I want to talk about it. I am looking forward to Pam and Tommy or Tommy and Pam because, um, you know, purely for those photos that just came out yesterday, that picture of Lily James fucking biting on Sebastian Stan's nipple ring. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fuck up. I'm into this because like I feel like this story is like known in pop culture, but like I think I was too young or I don't know if I was born yet when it was like happening. Um, I don't really listen to Motley Crue. I don't really know much about Pamela Anderson, but I feel like it's going to be like chaotic. And I feel like if the series is half as good as Lily James makeup, we're in for a good ride. And I'm looking forward to it. Also, I like Tommy Lee's current wife has like TikTok because she's like a Vine star and he's like been appearing on her TikToks. And now I'm like kind of fascinated by him. He grows like bonsai trees now. Um, so I don't know I'm looking I think it's gonna be fun I do think he's becoming like the new old Hollywood kind of guy and that's really cool uh and these kind of roles are really great and I'm hoping they kill off the Winter Soldier soon because he needs to get out of that thankless role it is like probably the worst role in the MCU right now it does (laughs) he just sits there and cries a lot and it's like what 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 are you doing with Sebastian Stan who is becoming like hot shit um I really expected him to become White Wolf during that series. Um, And they just left him as the Winter Soldier, which is like, you know, his brainwashed terrorist persona. And they were like, we'll change Captain America, but we're not doing jack shit with the guy who's- uh, The worst thing is they touched on the White Wolf thing and then they just didn't go anywhere further with it. Because he- I mean, he's- he's He's definitely going to be announced for- uh, Black Panther 2. That's what I'm like almost set on is that he'll he'll move over yeah. to that so that you can give uh, Falcon his own thing. I guess Captain America now. Yeah, uh, since we can add a fourth one now, I'm going to say uh, The Beatles Get Back, um, which is being done by Peter Jackson. And I just want to see this like Beatles documentary that is just like them. And like, you know, I, my dad was a big Beatles fan. I'm Paul James, because Paul McCartney is actually James Paul, um, like huge Beatles fan in the house. Uh, And so I was kind of raised with them. And then I kind of like, as most of my generation did, moved on from the Beatles and like, you don't really hear about it as much. Um, So it'll be really fun to like, kind of go back and see what they're doing. Not like what they're doing now, but like what they were doing and like seeing new stuff and really get a feel of them. Um, it seems like this one's a lot more fun. Everyone tries to show how the Beatles were miserable. And like, we get it. They were like, you know, druggies and like hated each other. But like, also they made some of the greatest music of all time. So let's see some more of that. Let's see them having fun, like making stuff. Let's see, you know, bad takes and things. Um, it'll be fun. And so I'm excited about that. I'll also, I'm also really looking forward to the Kissing Booth 3. Like, I don't like either of the other Kissing Booths. I was going to say means... that, but then I was like, hmm. <laughs> it means here's the thing number one it was fun to talk about kissing with two on clappercast it was probably one of my favorite episodes episodes we've done so to get kyle back on very excited number mm-hmm. two it means paul's gonna have to watch kissing booth one and two which i think is a very like funny thing to put on my friend so i'm looking forward to kissing booth three hopefully it's three hours long that's my only hope is that it's three hours long because the first one was like an hour second one was two hours come on give it give it to us paul are you excited for that 
Um, sure. Why not? I mean, like, I like bad movies. I love bad movies. Um, there's a famous John Waters quote. I may have quoted it on this podcast. That's like to um, have bad, to have good, bad taste, you have to have very good taste. And I do. And so I also enjoy very bad things. And I always get so frustrated with my friends that are like, why do you like bad movies? And I'm like, because they're fun. Because fun. they're trying so hard to do something good and they don't. And I do think that this is a more cynical version of that. But I have also heard that like they do kind of care in these movies, which makes them funny. Um, compared to, uh, to All the Boys Who I Loved Before, which I hated, every second of that was miserable. Um, this does seem like the uh, insane child to that. So <laughs> I still stand by the word uh, to all the boys. I was in genuinely good. Bad movies. Speaking of bad movies and bad movies that are coming out on Netflix, I'm looking forward to He's All That. I've not seen She's All That, but Addison Ray is in this. And like TikTokers as a 20, I'm 24 now. As a 24 year old, TikTokers fascinate me. Like I don't understand it. I like don't understand that people are famous from just like dancing and lip syncing on TikTok. Addison Ray fascinates me. I think she's very pretty. I'm excited that she is going to be in a movie. Everyone else is very mad about it, but I think she's doing a very good job with like branding and becoming like an actual celebrity and not just like an internet personality. So I have high hopes for it, but based on her music video that just came out recently, it's probably going to be trash, but I respect her hustle. Good for her. There's also Anything that Camilla Cabrillo or whatever, I forget her name actually, but like James Corden written Cinderella film, which is going to be like so fun. Here's the thing. James Corden, if you go back to his like Gavin and Stacey and all these things that he originally was doing, he was like kind of doing some interesting stuff. And then he decided that money was more important than creativity. And it, but Actually, you know what? I don't like James Corden as a person. I know he's an asshole. Um, but uh, the only clips of like these kind of those kind of like late night shows are James Corden's. I think like he really worked hard to do some creative stuff. So mild pushback on like, uh, you know, I'm not going to be out defending James Corden, who I know is a piece of shit, but like it could be good. Let's be clear. <laughs> I'm a James Corden stan since before Cats. I feel like Cats made a lot of people James Corden stans. From before that, I love James Corden. I'm excited for Peter Rabbit 2, also another one coming out this summer. Like, I'm happy for Corden getting any check he gets. So don't um, try to okay. don't try to Wait, spin my words into being is, negative towards is, James Corden. Uh, I love him. This is uh this is going to be a good segue to what we should recommend. I want to recommend another YouTube video <laughs> since we're talking about James Corden. I had nothing to recommend. I watched nothing this week. Um, okay, first recommendation is try to find someone you know with an Oculus Quest 2 and have a couple hours to go play with it. I was one of those people who was like, I tried the Oculus One and I was like, it's fine. It's kind of gives me a headache and stuff. The Oculus Quest 2 is literally one of the best experiences and the games are great. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun. I ended up buying one because um, I made a lot of money on Doge. Um, so, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Um, 
but I haven't watched anything other than the movies we were supposed to. But there is, and you know, Carson, I'll put the link in. There's a uh, spill your guts or fill your guts episode of um, the James Corden show with Charlie Puth. And it single-handedly, and there's a huge group of people in that. It single-handedly made me like every single person in that video. Like, I love them all. Um, and most of them I didn't know other than, uh, you know, a couple of the bigger names. And it's so funny because they are having such a good time. And you can tell, like, the whole facade of celebrity just breaks down. And they're just, like, good people. And it's um, basically spill your guts, fill your guts. is like either tell the secret you're not supposed to tell or um, eat this really horrible food. And Charlie Puth has a really weak stomach. And it's so funny. And I like love Charlie now. Um, I follow his TikTok. I can't stand his music actually, but um, I do love like his personality. So the recommendation is the video. It's definitely not his music. That's not the recommendation this week. Got yeah, it. no, stay away. Well, he has like one good song, but like, who cares? I also haven't seen like anything this week that I would say is worth recommending. So I'm going to go back to when I was catching up on the Oscar season, which by the way, it's been like, I've not thought about the Oscar season and it's been amazing. I've had like a lovely couple weeks after the ceremony of just not caring. Um, but the man who sold his skin nominated for best international feature this year, never had a chance of winning, but it's on Hulu. And I think it's really, really good. I think it might be one of the best, if not the best from the category. I'm trying to think even what was nominated. And I think it is actually my favorite from the category. I think it's an actually like interesting, important perspective um, on how society treats refugees and how they kind of um, like the relationship between like, yes, you can use like refugees in art, but like how much of exploitation are you actually helping the refugees and how much are you taking from them? Like, I think it's just a really interesting look at that and really well done. And it's one of my favorite films from a really fucking horrible Oscar season, which I never want to talk about again. So I recommend that one. Alina, what's your recommendation this week? rough week for us not watching anything damn I don't know it's just a bad week for all of us I guess I did not watch a single thing other than the two I was required to either um I didn't even get to see Wrath of Man because theaters are closed and you know what pisses me off we were doing really well this entire lockdown and you guys weren't and now your vaccine rollout is going really well and ours isn't and that's bullshit and not fair I hate the Ontario government but whatever it's fine um so I, yes, I did not watch anything this week. So I'm going to go back to what I was doing in April when I was watching like all my nostalgic teen girl movies. I'm going to recommend She's the Man. Um, I really fucking miss Amanda Bynes. I hope she is doing well because she had that like period where she was like kind of crazy. Um, because like, I just period? can't stand this movie. Hmm? I said that I period. Know. I mean, it's been like a decade at this point. <laughs> it's a whole uh, i don't like i don't know what she's doing now is what i mean by that because like i feel uh, like she, i don't hear about isn't she married to some guy named paul and like i could not tell you with that just the last I know- time i heard about her was when she was like crazy and they were talking about it all the time she might still be i don't know well i know she, she was is, having like that's a- how she wants to be good for her she like yeah she she was doing a lot of weird stuff um yeah she's like she was like you know what i'm talking about the time period i was talking about well it's still going so that's why um okay okay well i didn't know i have a i have a youtube video (laughs) 
um, that I can send you about Amanda Bynes uh, and like what's going on with her. Um, it's all very interesting and it's very like nice to her. And yes, I also Again. love Amanda Bynes. Um, I yeah. think that she okay. could have anyway. been it girl. Yeah, the point of this tangent is I hope she's doing well. I miss her. Um, I will check in with her and see how she's doing. I fucking love she's the man. Channing Tatum is in this, and he's just, like, so goofy and stupid, and I wish he had more roles like this, but I think he's too old for it now. Um, Amanda Bynes is a queen. There's just a lot of, like, really good gags and stuff. I really love movies, teen movies that are based off, like, Shakespeare plays. I also really like 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't know if she's a man. It's just like a classic. I feel like if you're like a boy, you're going to hate it. Um, But it's fucking iconic and get over yourself. It's a great movie. Uh, she's the man is the movie I've seen the most of. Um, When I was a kid, I just really liked Amanda Bynes. And when it came out on DVD, that was what I used to watch every night. So I have seen the first like probably hour of that movie at least 200 times. Um. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote Letterboxd and I was like, hey guys, can you add a manually add in most watched movies? Because I would like to start saying like, uh, you know, uh, She's the Man is my number one watched movie and all these like Christmas movies that I know I've watched like 60 times, but it's going to take years before it moves up the list. Um, Because as much as I love Cats, it is not my five uh, most watched movie of all time. Just five, Normal normal amount for Cats. Absolutely. With that, that's going to be it for this episode of ClapperCast. Where can you find everyone on social media? Alina, you want to start us off? I am at Alina Folds everywhere. Paul? At Price Like Tag everywhere. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, letterbox just Carson Tamar. You can find Clapper at www.clapperltd.co.uk. Uh, we have a bunch of reviews. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. All that good stuff. We just launched a Patreon. Uh, if you want $2 a month, we have a three hours debate on which is the best Star Wars film. Um, later this month, we have classic Clapper, Clapper cast coming. Um, so there's at least two podcasts coming out per month on there. Subscribe if you want. You can write us at uh, clappercast at gmail.com if you want to share your thoughts on any films we talk about. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.